So I know this parenting thing is really challenging for us to face ourselves and work on these hidden things of our own. And this was one of the most surprising things about parenthood to me. I thought I would be doing all the teaching, the molding, the guiding, and the inspiring, but my kids challenged me to step up and become a better version of myself just as much as I do this for them. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than HomeThreads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer.
Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to dig in and discuss anger. What is the purpose of anger? Because believe it or not, every emotion does have a purpose. Learning how to accept each of them, hear the messages that they are sending us, and then use them for the positive is what emotional competence is all about. So I'm going to talk about both anger in our kids, how to help them work towards this very healthy and productive ways of seeing and using their emotions, and also parental anger as well. From my own experience as a parent and from feedback and questions I get from other parents, anger in parenting feels so loaded. It feels unacceptable and it often feels shameful, right? The peaceful parenting movement, gentle parenting, conscious parenting. But all these ideas aren't about being perfect. And I say this with the air quotes too, right? It isn't about being the 1950s ideal TV mom or dad, always smiling, doing it all with a happy face, and everything's always perfect, even when our kids are cheeky. Real parents feel anger. Authentic, amazing parents feel anger and frustration in every spectrum of the emotion and other emotions, and we show them. Emotional regulation is not about staying calm all the time. Emotional regulation is about having the ability to navigate the full spectrum of emotions, having the skills to listen to our emotions and discern the message from them and being able to communicate how we feel to others and choosing how to respond and act after tuning into those feelings. So as you can see, anger absolutely has its place. So I want to shed some light on this very common emotion, its purpose, acceptance, how we can work with it for ourselves and help our kids work with theirs, learn and teach healthy ways of expressing it and processing it. Each of us has emotions that are harder for us than others to feel, to allow, to express, to accept, to communicate, to allow in our children and in others. Anger is usually one of those big ones for most parents. But for some of you, you may feel pretty adept at accepting and managing and modeling and allowing anger, etc. And maybe it's the other emotions like sadness or fear that are harder for you, or maybe all of them are hard for you. So we're going to make note of that. I want you to think about now as I'm saying this, and as I go through this information, how comfortable are you with seeing, feeling, allowing, communicating, and expressing anger in yourself and in others, like your kids. So what is the purpose of anger? Believe it or not, anger is an emotion of action. It often can spur us to action. And when we have really healthy emotional regulation skills, anger can be a catalyst to help us set goals and achieve great things. When we learn how to do all these things and work through it, then we can set those goals and use it for some really positive forward momentum in our lives. Anger is the emotion of boundaries and protection, accountability and autonomy. Anger helps us differentiate and individuate from those around us. This is a lot. So we're going to dig into each of these. Boundaries and protection. Anger is the healthy reaction when our boundaries are crossed. It is our signal that monitors our interactions and helps us speak up when we feel misunderstood, harmed, or invaded. For example, when we've been spoken to disrespectfully, our physical boundaries have been crossed, our emotional boundaries have been crossed, or we feel 
We've clearly expressed our disinterest or displeasure in something or some exchange or activity and someone keeps pushing, just to name a few. Accountability and autonomy. Anger helps us understand what is our responsibility and what belongs to another. Of course, especially with kids, this can often be misconstrued, right? They often think that what is someone else's responsibility is theirs. And so this is something to help them work on and straighten out. Autonomy. This really can overlay with the boundaries. When someone steps over our boundaries, they aren't treating us with the autonomy we desire and we're requesting. So anger really is that emotion. When they don't allow us to do something we feel like we should be able to do, that anger can come in, that autonomy. I am a capable person. Don't treat me like I'm incapable, right? And kids will do this and adults will do this as well. This is the voice of justice and it works to guard us from things that harm our sense of self, individuality, and autonomy. Healthy anger helps maintain boundaries. Your inner conviction and a healthy detachment or a healthy attachment, right? That's a line between a healthy attachment and a healthy detachment from those around us. It is supposed to protect us from unhealthy patterns of codependence and enmeshment. When anger is not allowed, it causes issues with maintaining boundaries. It causes an enmeshment dynamic where we learn to rely on the opinions and needs of the outside world for acceptance and belonging. So we keep our feelings like anger quiet and hidden. And we push them down to keep others comfortable and keep their approval. The good girl or the good boy, right? We want to be seen as this, the good girl or the good boy. So we have to keep that anger in control. This may likely hit home for a lot of you. I know it does for me. My anger was not allowed as a child. My parents couldn't handle it, and they certainly couldn't help me with it. So I had to keep it quiet. I had to be quiet so I could be safe. Well, what happens when you don't allow anger to flow? Enmeshment, codependence, tiptoeing, walking on eggshells around other people's feelings. And that's exactly what I did and what I learned. If you learned the same thing, in addition to our own work on seeing our anger differently and beginning to allow it, feel it, express it, communicate it, and process it, we also have to learn how to help our kids do the same. So this is a big job. This is a double job. If you grew up in a similar fashion with similar messages, whatever the reason behind it, if you weren't allowed to experience and process anger, it can become very uncomfortable to feel of your own and uncomfortable to see and watch others experience it. Anger is a very powerful emotion, so it can be very scary. Both my parents had a knack for really big anger outbursts, scary and out of control outbursts. So if you experience this as well, with or without your anger being squashed, some families are, everybody's allowed to be really big and angry. But if you have a family where your parent was allowed to be angry and you weren't, that's a different dynamic than if everybody's angry, but it still can feel big and powerful and scary regardless. So if you experience this with or without your anger having to be squashed, this type of experience also colors how we feel about anger. It's big, it's scary, we might lose control, it's better to keep it as quiet as possible, push it down, ignore it so it doesn't get too big. These are really important things to think about. What did anger look like in your house growing up? Was it allowed? Was it allowed for everyone or just for some people? What were you modeled and taught about how to feel, allow, confront, communicate, and process anger? 
Now, most of us did not grow up in homes where this was taught in a healthy way. This was just part of it is just the culture of the time. And so we're really changing. And now we're really learning about this and how healthy and important it is. And now we're learning how to do this for our children and make things different. So it's really unlikely that your parents were able to do this for you. And if you did grow up in a house like that, you were ex- your parents were very ahead of the curve. So that was, is amazing. But for most of us, our parents really just didn't have these skills or have any clue how to uh, approach these. But if there were some positive messages and lessons, what were they? What do you want to keep and teach your kids from your upbringing around anger, if anything? What parts do you definitely want to do differently? Okay, so I'm going to cover children's anger, common triggers for kids, how we can help them. Then I'm going to talk about our anger as it relates to a response to our children's anger, because I don't know about you, but often my response to my child's anger is anger. So I want to break that down, dig into what that's about for any of you experiencing similar feelings and reactions to your child's anger. We're going to get into all of this right after a word from our sponsors. Okay, now that we're back, I'm going to dig in, starting with younger kids, their common anger triggers and how you can help them with these. So I'm going to talk about toddlers, preschoolers, and even school age, because the first few are mostly going to be for your younger kids, but then the rest of them are going to be for all the age groups. And you'll see what I mean in a second. So common anger triggers include tiredness and hunger, having to stop an activity that they're enjoying, frustration, and a sense of injustice. Okay, so obviously tiredness and hunger are ones that we put into the prevention category. In my class on helping your child with anger, I do talk about the five common anger triggers that are in this prevention category and the steps and ways that you can be as proactive as possible in preventing these triggers. So it cuts down on a lot of anger just right off the bat. So here's just a couple of them. First is you want to be as proactive as possible with things like scheduling outings around naps and making sure to bring healthy snacks to offer. If you're running errands or going to play dates, you want to prevent that hangry reaction. So having food on hand, making sure they're eating on a schedule, even if you're out running around. Because we're all more susceptible to showing bigger emotions when our defenses are down. We're tired, we're hungry, we're stressed, we're sick, right? Okay, stopping activities they enjoy. This is another area where we can do a lot of prevention, but it won't always work. But anything proactive that works sometimes is better than nothing. And I find that these actually work most of the time. I found that they worked most of the time with my toddlers. They really learned what to expect. And so it really got pretty easy once they got used to this. So this is where we give warnings. The younger they are, the shorter the warnings you want to give and be sure to give two. So for example, two to three-year-olds, you likely want to give a three-minute warning and a one-minute warning. If you go to five minutes out, they just kind of lose that time frame. It doesn't really mean much to them. So starting at three minutes, giving them that warning to transition, and then at one minute is plenty for two to three-year-olds. When they're four to five, you can give that five-minute warning and then a two-minute warning. Give them some time to wrap up. And even older kids appreciate the warnings for transitions. We all do. We don't want to stop right in the middle of something we're focused on and be told to stop immediately. So warnings are a great, respectful way to communicate. With older kids, obviously, the older they are, the more warning you can give. You have a teenager and you're getting ready to leave, I don't know, whatever, a store or a friend's house. 
You can text them, call them, give them 20, 30 minute warning. Hey, we need to leave in 30 minutes. Hey, I need you to be home in 30 minutes. They really appreciate this. They have time for their brains to switch. And and then of course, you're going to give them another warning because teenagers, they need another warning or two. (laughs) But gives them that respectful time and that to transition their brain to what's next. So, you know, when we don't give the kids warnings, when they're expected to stop immediately and move on, this comes from a feeling of being disrespected and like their boundaries were crossed and infringed upon in that area of autonomy. I'm having a great time. I'm engrossed in building this thing, watching the show, playing with my friend. My imagination is engaged right now. I have to stop on someone else's timeline. Right? So this feels really disrespectful to them. So being very mindful of this when we plan their play or their favorite show right before dinner time. Even so, kids may still get angry. And even if we do our very best to be mindful, give fair warnings and limits. So there are some things we can do to assist with this. I'm going to talk about that right after I talk about the next trigger because I'm going to put those together. And that is the trigger of frustration. Young kids especially... But even my 13-year-old gets frustrated and can have a bigger reaction. What does this stem from? Well, often for younger kids, they want to have more abilities than they're physically able. And so this can lead to some pretty big frustration and feelings of injustice. I want to be able to do this by myself. I can't do this by myself. I'm really frustrated. The tower falls over. The train tracks don't meet up at the final spot after so long. For them, feels like a long time designing and building. They can't get their own pants buttoned. Even adults can experience this type of frustration. Well, I don't mean about the pants buttoning thing, but maybe if your pants that used to fit don't fit anymore, I mean, that's certainly a frustrating situation. I could get frustrated about that too. I've I've run into that before. The holidays, try to put on some pants, they don't fit anymore. That's frustrating. But I mean, when we, we have things like a tech glitch, right? And we lose a presentation we've been working on for an hour. Ugh, right? Some anger going on there. These are just part of the human experience. So whether if it's these kinds of experiences in frustration or like the earlier scenario where we were giving warnings, but our toddler melts down anyway, how are we going to help them build emotional regulation? These are great opportunities. And this is the thing where we as parents need to remember taking these as opportunities to teach, taking a deep breath and slowing down. I'm going to talk about parental anger at the end, but just as a reminder, This is an opportunity to teach my child emotional regulation. This is a skill they don't have yet. So this is where we're going to go to the steps I covered in episode 301, helping kids and adults manage big feelings. And there's a great four-step process that you can go through. I go through it really in depth. And so I really recommend going back and listening to that episode. It's not that far back, 301. It's either a refresher or if you didn't hear that episode, you might want to go listen to that again because it gives some great in-depth steps. The whole episode is really just about that. The nuts and bolts of helping kids develop emotional regulation. Now, what you can add on to that from this episode is the understanding, tapping into the reasons of anger, right? The feeling unfair, unjust, bowled over, my autonomy was taken away or not respected, and open up conversations about that. Bringing it into your children's awareness of what is this anger coming from? What's triggering this anger, right? We can bring that into the conversation when we're having those calm conversations afterwards and doing some problem solving. It seems to me like you felt like I was being very unfair. 
and you can talk about that. And they're like, oh yeah, I felt like that was really unfair. It helps them connect that, that feeling with what is causing this? What's this trigger? What's behind this? It also helps them see that those feelings are not just accepted, but they're important, right? We need to have a way to set boundaries for ourselves. And anger is that reminder that my boundaries just been crossed. Whether I'm misunderstanding and it really wasn't, or it really was, and I need to set a strong boundary, it's there for a reason. And we need to learn to read it and read into it and learn from it and then communicate. It helps them feel safe to share those feelings when things don't feel fair. So there are other times when things really do feel unjust. Their boundaries are crossed. They feel disrespected or invaded. And it's important to make room for those feelings. And it's really important to own it if we are the cause of those feelings. Now, I've had conversations with my kids when I've done things that made them feel disrespected. And we'll have a deep talk about it, about how things unfolded, about their response and my response to them. I apologize for any implication that may have felt like they were disrespected. I tell them that that is not my intention at all. And I had these talks with my daughter more than with my sons because she has more and bigger emotional reactions. Sometimes when I try to guide her, she can be very reactionary. So she can be a little frustrating. And so I can get frustrated back with her sometimes. And sometimes I don't handle it the best way. She is super stubborn. I have no idea where she gets it from. (laughs) So What's really important about these conversations is that when our kids experience what feels like injustice from others outside of us, right, outside of the family, like a friend, another parent, a coach, or a teacher, they will come to us because they know we get it and that we're open to listening and supporting their feelings of disrespect. Just like parents, teachers, coaches, etc., they're human, they're fallible. And I know we've had times in my family where we've had to go talk with them, the coaches or the teachers. And I have my children speak to them themselves, but I go with them for support to fill in anything if they're too nervous or missed a point that they had made to me earlier at home. And most of the time, these meetings actually go very, very well. They're very open to listening to my child's feelings and helping them problem solve. When it comes to teens, anger often comes from feeling disrespected and invaded in the form of the lack of autonomy. This is really big in these years. Tweens and teens are going to see this perk up, not getting privileges they feel like they should have. And this could definitely be an entire episode or more. But just in general, remember that teens are soon going to be out on their own. Giving practice at autonomy is an important part of adolescence. They are very likely going to mess up. But better they have the chance to do it on your watch when you're kind of, you know, it's like a, I've talked about this before, it's like a kite and you're letting out the string, right? You're going to let out the string a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You might let it out a little far and they might kind of crash to the ground, but you're not going to have them high in the sky and they're not just going to go diving and falling to the ground and break everything apart. We're doing it little by little. And sometimes they're going to have a little bit too much. And sometimes we might be keeping them a little bit tighter on the string, but We're going to have to give them a little bit of opportunity to crash and burn so that they get practice at making better choices. So they get practice at seeing the consequences of their actions while we are still there to help them problem solve, work through it and make different decisions the next time. Because it's way better than they're so restricted that they don't get opportunities. They go out on their own. Now they have total freedom and then they make a bunch of 
stupid decisions and mistakes because they didn't get any practice. They're going to crash and burn hard. And then we also want to remember and discuss with them that independence comes with responsibility and responsibility is earned, right? With responsibility, you get more independence as you show more responsibility. So that independence can be earned. You want to keep the conversation open about fairness and autonomy, what they feel like they should be able to do, what they feel like is fair, what you feel like they have shown based on how responsible they've been in the past, and then let them know what they need to do in order to earn more independence, what kind of responsibility you expect from them to earn more independence. And then we want to really listen to what they have to say about why they think they should have this level of independence in this particular incidence and take it under consideration. Okay, parents, assessing our own level of comfort. This is comes back from the earlier in the episodes. We're going to circle back around our own level of comfort experiencing another person's anger and our role growing up. Did our parents have big anger and is it scary for us? Were you expected to take care of your parents' emotions? Were you expected to keep your emotions quiet? You want to recognize these because these are patterns. So if you were expected to take care of your parents' emotions, you may want to fall into this pattern of taking care of your children's emotions, but this isn't really healthy for them and it's not helpful. So recognizing that and realizing I need to step back, I need to give my children room to feel these feelings and process these feelings and communicate these feelings and I can help them with that. And then letting it flow for both you and your children, letting your own anger flow, right? If it's something that's a scary emotion for you, you weren't allowed to feel it, you weren't allowed to show it, that can be hard, letting it flow a little bit. If your parents' anger was big and scary, you don't want your children to be scared of you like you were of your parents. There's all kinds of things that could be packed into this, but just becoming aware of all that and then learning to work through that and take some steps towards some more healthy ways of doing all of those steps, managing, feeling, allowing, accessing, communicating, processing emotion, uh, processing your anger. And this is really, really important in breaking those cycles for our kids, giving them a different experience and developing healthy emotional regulation skills. When your child gets angry, what's your response? What is your initial feeling? I don't want to deal with it. That's actually usually my initial feeling, right? I'm overwhelmed. I'm busy. I'm stressed. Now they're angry. I don't want to deal with it. Why is that? What is that about? It can be about the discomfort on whatever level it is with anger, because now I'm responsible for their feelings of anger, which is usually what mine is. I felt responsible for my parents. Now I feel responsible for them. I don't want to deal with it. But guess what? That's my stuff. It's not theirs. I have to remind myself that it's not my job to make sure they're never angry, right? I can't go around with, you know, buffering them all the time. It's not how it's supposed to work. They need this experience. So I know this parenting thing is really challenging for us to face ourselves and work on these hidden things of our own. And this was one of the most surprising things about parenthood to me. I thought I would be doing all the teaching, the molding, the guiding, and the inspiring but my kids challenge me to step up and become a better version of myself just as much as I do this for them. We need to get comfortable asking ourselves the uncomfortable questions and then being uncomfortable while we work through our feelings and reactions so that we can be available to listen to them and guide them towards emotional competence. 
If you want to see the class on helping your children with anger, any of the positive discipline classes or uh, the class on tantrums, getting kids to listen, all 60 parenting classes are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. I also wanted to share a quick announcement, and that is I have a new podcast coming out. The first episode will drop next Wednesday, that's September 28th, and this has been a real labor of love and a calling from deep within my heart and my soul for well over a year now. It is called Minding the Gap. Actually, the full title is Aaron Royer Presents Minding the Gap, so you could search for Minding the Gap or my name and probably find it, but it's a podcast about the process of human transformation. It's a podcast for people who are feeling stuck and or unfulfilled, feeling like they're meant for more, and the process of discovering the self and the steps to creating a life that feels more joyful and purposeful. So if that sounds intriguing to you, I hope you will come take a listen to Minding the Gap. The teaser is up, and the first episode, the intro, will drop next Wednesday, 28th of September. You can also check out the Instagram account for that podcast. I have videos and posts about self-empowerment and the transformation process. And that account is Erin M. Royer on Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.